0: Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the precious gift of our lives here on this very planet, Lord. And we know our purpose here is solely for You. Lord, we lift up this time as we gather together as Your church, as Your people, who are gathered here in Your Son's name to learn more about You, to connect with You, to communicate with You in a real and personal and intimate way, Lord. Help us to keep clear the distractions that would keep us from being present here today, Lord. And we just thank you for the gift of life that you've given us. It's in your Son's holy name, the name of Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Morning, everyone. Um, My name is Ken Stoneking. I'm the associate pastor here. For those of you who are visiting, thank you for coming to our well-oiled service. Uh, no gaps. We're family here, and we're just so glad to have you with us today. Uh, speaking of family, it was my great privilege to stand right here uh, last uh, evening and marry off my first uh, born son. So, when Ron asked me several weeks ago to speak for him in his absence this morning, I said, You know, you mind if I pass that off to someone who I know is a very good Bible teacher? So, it's my privilege this morning to welcome my uh, older, much older brother from. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, who's in town for the wedding, and I've asked him to open the word with you. Birch, Stone King, this is my church family. Well, Treat them well. <laughs> what a delight to greet you in the name of the Lord this morning. It's uh, exciting to see what Ken has been talking about at Rock Point Church, and to come up and down this road and see the growth and the expansion that's happening, and then you're talking about three services and possibly four, how that you can represent Jesus Christ in this community. It is wonderful. Thank you for your welcome. And when we shook hands just a few minutes ago, a lady said, and you are Ken's father? (laughs) I will not give you her initials, but she said her first name was Harriet, and I will never forget that. I want you to open your Bibles this morning, if you have them, to a very familiar passage of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. And you're saying to yourself already, I am so familiar with that Psalm, I do not have to open my Bibles, because that's a Psalm that is designed for the children. Every year in daily vacation Bible school, it seems like the teacher always says to her pupils, we are going to memorize an entire Psalm today, and it's going to be the 23rd Psalm. And so they memorize the 23rd Psalm. And sure enough, the next June comes along and the teacher says, By the way, we're going to learn a psalm this week. And it's the 23rd Psalm. My guess is that most of you are so familiar with this text that there's hardly anything new that's found here. And so a guest speaker would love to come in and tell you, I have found a verse. It is is deep down into the Hebrew and it's found in the book of Ezekiel, or the fourth chapter of Lamentations, and you've never heard this, this verse before, and sort of a peephole into the character of God, we're going to learn something today about God that you've never learned before, and He's going to tell us something that we've never been able to live before, and that would be great and if I could do that, but such is not the case today. I'm going to take you to the 23rd Psalm that is without question the most familiar of Psalms, but is also the most loved of Psalms. We hear this often in hospital rooms, in prisons, in counseling rooms with people, perhaps even more often at funerals. The 23rd Psalm is so well known, but I'm going to ask this morning as we look at this portion of Scripture that it should not suffer from exposure, because many times I think it suffers from a lack of understanding, because it's preached and taught and written about, and yet I think there's a message here for us this morning And I trust that is our case. So please notice as I read, and I'm reading this morning from the King James Version, um, and you'll notice if you have your Bibles that the words are very, very slightly different. All right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me, Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for ever. Father in heaven, how grateful we are that You have spoken to us through Your Word. Our Father, we understand that if this word means anything to us, it must first of all be taught by the Holy Spirit. And so we open our hearts just now and pray that your Spirit will be our teacher, that we would learn and then apply those things that are appropriate to our lives. For we pray it in Jesus' name, and if you agree with that prayer, say amen. 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 By the way, weren't the musicians something else this morning? They are just fabulous, and I just, uh, yes. they were tremendous and I appreciated that music and uh, to sing at this hour in the morning is something of a gift in and of itself is it not you know that they had their breakfast i want to share two things at the outset of this psalm that are very important first of all this is a psalm that is from the viewpoint of the shepherd we often rather from the sheep i'm sorry from the sheep we often call this the shepherd's psalm but it's not it's really the sheep's psalm It is from the viewpoint of the sheep. And we want to keep that in mind as we go through these verses of Scripture, because it is a a sheep's psalm. Now, historically, we're talking about that little animal that is puffy on the top with all the wool and those little spindly legs. Now, since I've been driving around here, I've seen some of your animals. I've seen miniature donkeys. I've seen llamas. I even saw a Brahma bull, horses and cows. But I have not seen sheep. But you know what a sheep looks like. So we're looking at this passage from the viewpoint of the sheep. Keep that in mind. All right. Do you have it? Yes? I hear one person. Do you have it? Yes? I like that. So from the viewpoint of the sheep. Second, and it's very important that the major theme is found in verse number one, where we read, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. That's the major theme. You see, and we need to understand and get the grasp of that, lest we lose what He is teaching us in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. By the way, if we have trouble with that theme, we're going to have trouble with the entire psalm and its message to our hearts today. I want for us today to look at seven points. Seven points. If you're taking notes, there are going to be seven. When our seven is done, somebody in the back will already be going five, four, three... To 1. Let's look at these please from the pro- from the proposition that we're looking from the viewpoint of the sheep and the shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. Historically it's an animal, but class spiritually it's you and I as believers in Christ. Because in the book of John we are told that the Lord Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And so we are the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as believers in Christ, we're going to learn something about the reality of how He cares for us. Because He cares for us eternally, but class, He also cares for us temporally. I mean today and yesterday and tomorrow and throughout all this week, let alone all of eternity for which we praise the Lord. Let's look at these things one at a time. First of all, He cares for my rest. Notice in verse 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Over the years, I always thought this passage had to do with the green pastures. But it's not that true. The real uh, impact of the the verse is on the verb. He makes me to lie down. Sheep are strange animals. They sort of go in all kinds of directions. And and they're not very smart. In fact, they're very dumb. Uh, You talk about sheep. and you go to the circus, you will never find a sheep doing tricks. It's interesting they can train tigers and whales, and lions, and elephants, but they don't train sheep. They're dumb. And that's not, very, that's not very flattering to us as sheep, but they're dumb. Not only that, they're defenseless. They can't fight for themselves. They don't have great big hoofs. Uh, they can't make a lot of noise. And, and in fact, they can't run very fast. My guess is there's not a high school here that had a mascot of the sheep. <laughs> You probably had bob, uh, bobcats and tigers and wolves and all kinds of things like that, but no sheep. Uh, how could you imagine being alongside a football game and say, go sheep, you know. It, it wouldn't work. It just doesn't fit. So they're dumb and they're defenseless, but they're also unclean. If it wasn't for the shepherd keeping them clean, they would be the dirtiest animal on the face of the earth. And they're also fearful because they run in all kinds of directions if they hear some kind of a strange noise. And so the strange noise or something happens and all of a sudden one sheep starts going one way and pretty soon they all start to follow and the shepherd says, I have a problem. They're out of control. You know what he does? He takes that sheep and he grabs him by the ears. Can you imagine? And he squeezes that ears and he pushes it to the ground. Most amazing thing happens. All of the other sheep follow the pattern and they all lay down. Isn't that amazing? Now, to get a real picture of this, just take your hands and put them on the ears of the person in front of you and squeeze. No, don't, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that, please. But isn't it interesting that God sometimes has to do that with us? That he takes us by the ears and he makes us lay down. And sometimes you wonder, why did I go through this hospital stay? Uh, why did I go through this financial difficulty? Why am I going through such relational difficulties with my neighbors, my friends, my Harriets in life? <laughs> Why does God bring those things into my life? I think there are times He wants us just to get back in control and to lay down. And then somehow with His finger on our lives, we cannot look to the right or to the left, and all we can do is look up. And it reminds us that He really is our shepherd. And He says, it's time for you to slow down And pay attention. Do what I have for you. He causes us to rest. Well, not only that, as our shepherd, he gives us also refreshment. Look at verse number two. He leadeth me beside still or quiet waters. Now, the Hebrew uh, says that he leads us by waters of rest. Now, sheep do not like rushing waters. And so if you're going to water your sheep, you would want to bring them along next to the river. And so as the water is rushing by and you would bring the sheep and so they could drink from the river, but the sheep won't do that. See, the sheep are very fearful of drowning because if their coat gets wet, it's like a sponge and they could fall over and they could drown, which is very natural for sheep. They don't, they don't like the rushing water and so the shepherd will take some stones from the river and he'll make a little, little dam beside the river. And so it's still and so the water would creep in. Now the sheep can come and, and they can drink. So he dams up a little spot that's quiet and is restful and no moving current. Isn't it great that God sometimes does that for us? I love the old hymn that says, There is a place of quietness. Where? Near to the heart of God. And there are times when He refreshes us by simply opening the window of heaven It may be through a song, it may be through a verse, it may be through a story, it may be through a tape or a radio program. And all of a sudden you come face to face with eternity, and you realize that the lover of my soul loves me today. The one who cares for me for eternity is caring for me today, and he refreshes our souls. Well, he not only gives us rest, and he not only gives us refreshment, but I want you to notice in the third verse that he also gives us restoration. It says in verse number three, He restoreth my soul. Now, what does this mean, to have our soul restored? Uh, Does it mean that He encourages when we are down? I'm so glad that He does that. Uh, I'm so tickled that when I'm down, He is my source of encouragement. But I don't think that's really what it means here primarily. Uh, I'm sure that's part of it. Does it mean that when He lifts me up when I'm discouraged? Yes, He does that. Uh, But I think there's something more here. The word restore is the word to turn back. Or to change direction. If I'm going in this direction, He wants to turn me around and to go in this direction. It's the same word that we use in the New Testament as repent. He wants to not only change our mind, but He wants to change our direction. And I must admit that as I walk through these years on this side of eternity, that sometimes I walk too far in the wrong direction. And He has to stop me and restore my soul and turn me around. And that often happens on the inside because my mind has to be changed. My heart needs to be changed before I'm restored and brought back to where he needs me to be. Lambs can be stubborn. Little lambs can be stubborn. I learned a long time ago that you spell stubborn, (laughs) S-T-O-N-E-K-I-N-G. I've been told that many times. If you know my brother, maybe you understand that as well. I don't know. But sheep can be very stubborn. In fact, sheep, little lambs get all concentrated with one thing. So they'll eat, 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 eat. And they'll work their way eating. And they'll pretty soon get into a kind of a precipice or a dangerous place. And they stand there. They don't know what to do because they're dumb. And so they bleat. Isn't it interesting that when we get on the edge of things, what do we do? We say, oh, Lord, how did we get here? How do we get out of here? And then the shepherd comes to that long shepherd's staff. And he grabs us and he brings us back to a place of safety. See, he changes our mind. He restores us. But little lambs are sometimes so stubborn that their habits don't change. And so pretty soon they're out there again and they're ready to bleat. Well, now the shepherd's got to take a little bit more evasive action. So he picks up that little lamb and he breaks the leg of that lamb. Then he puts oil on the lamb's leg and then he puts a splint on it. Then he carries that lamb because he can't walk. And you've seen the picture of Jesus and the lamb and says, what a beautiful picture! Not to the lamb. <laughs> he hurts. His legs has been broken. He can't walk. Then the most amazing thing is when he can walk, the, she, the little, little lamb is put down. You know, you know where the lamb is? Is he running? Oh no, he's he right by the shepherd. He's right by the shepherd. You see, because he knows he doesn't want to get hurt again. Our shepherd does that to us, doesn't he? And sometimes he has to break our leg. Or as you sung this morning, when the rain comes, Lord, I don't want the rain. And he says, I've got to bring you some rain because I need to change your direction. You've been moving in this direction so long. You're so consumed with your work. You're so consumed with your family. You're so consumed with living that you've forgotten about me. And I need to bring you back. I don't want to break your leg, but I need to bring you back to me. I'm so glad that my shepherd cares enough for me that he restores my soul. Aren't you? Amen. He restores my soul. And on this side of glory, we may never know all that he's doing, but he's restoring our soul. Well... There's another. Now, fourth, I want you to notice that he's concerned for my reputation. Look at the end of verse number three. For he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, what's he talking about? I think he's talking about his reputation. You see, because when he changes our lives, he brings us to a path of righteousness and right living, and that's what he wants to do. And uh, first of all, he's concerned about the reputation of the shepherd. See, if the shepherd loses a sheep to a wolf, he has lost some of his income. For he no longer has the wool and he no longer has the sheep. I mean, if you only had ten sheep to start with and he lost one, he's down ten percent. I think that math is right. So the reputation of the shepherd is at stake. But also the reputation of the sheep. You see, if the sheep is no longer useful, uh, what good is he? See, if you and I have lost our saltiness... In this community for Jesus Christ, what good are we? You see, he's concerned about his reputation, not only for his name, but also for yours and for your testimony. So he's concerned about his reputation. That's why he says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sometimes we simply have to say, Lord, is this the right path? Or is this, am I going in the right direction? And he's so delighted to be able to tell us that he is. Now look at verse number four. The fifth point, I want you to notice, that he cares for my restlessness. Look at this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, most of your Bibles, you'll notice the word death is not there, and it isn't found in the Hebrew. But we somehow have gotten that, so we've memorized it. This really means a dark place, a dark shadows. Celia and I, my wife and I, were in Israel at the end of January. We begin to see some of the terrain of Israel, that there's a great Judean fault that comes from the northern all the way to the southern part and on into Africa. And so it is not a flat and level place. It's a very hilly and rocky place. So in the wintertime when the snows come and they begin to melt and they create great ravines. And these ravines are hiding places for wolves who love sheep. So the shepherd has to be very careful how he brings them now from the low places where it's warm in the wintertime to the higher places where the new grass is. He has to be careful how he cares and leads those sheep not through the dark valleys where the enemy is hiding and so he is caring for us in terms of our of our of our uh, restlessness he comforts me in dark and dangerous places been there is <laughs> some dark and dangerous places in your life and he cares for you i love that fact Maybe you've seen the movie The Hiding Place. Corey Tenboom is holding, in one scene, her sister Betsy. And as she's holding her, you can, see, you can hear the oboes in the background bringing up the theme of the film. And Betsy looks into Corey Tenboom's eyes and she says, There is no pit so deep that he is not there. Isn't it good to know that when He promised that you will never to leave us, never to forsake us, that we can count on that promise? Amen? See, He cares my restlessness, and He wants me to be reposed and to rest in Him. Well, there are deep valleys. But what about this rod and the staff that comforts? We already talked about the staff. When we go too far, He may bring us back. But how about the rod? That rod is, a, is like an oak club, and on the end is a great knot. And the shepherd will pound into that knot bone and metal, and it becomes a a club for him to keep the wolves away. And then there are times when the sheep are all at rest, and he sees a wolf just beyond, and he takes that and and kills the wolf that's back behind the sheep. You ever feel like that sometimes? You're standing out. God takes care of us. I wonder from this side of glory how many times He has cared for us with His rod in caring for our enemies, and we're not even aware of it. And I'm so glad that His rod and His staff, they comfort me. There is no enemy that is so great that He cannot defeat. There is no joy that He is not willing to give. I'm so glad that He's my shepherd. Aren't you? Well, let's continue. Notice, by the way, if you need a verse in terms of darkness, and sometimes we live in the darkness called loneliness. God's always there. There's a verse, if you have your Bible, and you may want to write it down for your blessing later, in chapter 4, Psalm 4 and verse 8. Let me read it for you. I love this. Especially you ladies who have men who travel a lot. For 25 years, I've been traveling almost every other week, someplace. And so for the last 25 years, my wife and I have been married 12 and a half. <laughs> and uh, we got to somehow recoup that other 12 and a half that we lost. And we're about to do that when I retire in another week. Verse 8 of chapter four, of Psalm 4, and this is so great. Listen to the words. He says, I, lay both, uh, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Do you know there are folks that go to bed every night and they're so worried about what's going to happen the next day? Peace is a wonderful blessing of God. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Isn't that a great verse? Mark it down, put it on your mirror, memorize it this week. All right, back to Psalm 23. He not only cares for my rest and my refreshment and my restoration and my reputation. He not only cares for my restlessness, but notice he also cares for my revitalization. Now look at verse number five. If you've already checked me out, please come back. You know, speakers are always welcoming people back. You'll know that, don't you? I mean, since I've been talking, some of you have been already making reservations for lunch. Some of you are wondering where you're going to be tomorrow. You can't wait to get your bathing suit on. You know, you're, you, So every psalm so has to keep, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. We're in chapter, chapter 23 of the Psalms, and we're in verse number 5. This is perhaps the most difficult verse to explain because everybody says, well, this has to do with the Holy Spirit because it's talking about anointing with oil. But remember our premise, and that is that we are looking at this from the viewpoint of the sheep. And because of that, let's stay consistent. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. If you were to invite my wife and me to your house today, and we would come to your house and we'd sit in your beautiful living room and we would visit for about an hour. And then the lady of the house would say, it's time to come to the table. So we'd go to the table and we'd sit there for another hour and visit and say, well, it's been a wonderful time having you here. I hope that you can come back someday and we leave. But we've not eaten anything. We've not drunk anything. You see, there's something about preparing the table that you expect to eat and you expect to drink. And so when you look at this passage of Scripture, the first thing that comes to your mind is that there's a revitalization. He feeds me. And that's important. He feeds me. He prepares a table. But notice that there are are sometimes enemies. See, when the shepherd prepares to feed the sheep, he takes them to a place where there's new and nourishing grass. Now, before he does that, he prepares the table. How does he do that? He takes that table Staff and he goes across the grass and he finds out if there are those little holes where the adders are, those little snakes. And when those snakes feel those sheep on top of the ground, those little adders like to come up through those holes and bite the face and the nose of the sheep. And so the shepherd will take that little pouch of oil, the pungent smell and pour it on the oil, on the hole so that little adder won't come up. And bite the sheep. He prepares the table. Then it says, He anointeth my head with oil. What does that mean in terms of the sheep? The shepherd takes that same oil and takes that sheep and just smears a little on the face and the nose of the sheep. So the adder has no delight in coming close to that sheep. See, He prepares us so the enemies won't have their way with us. Well, how about the water? My cup runneth over. What does that mean? When the shepherd has the sheep out in the area away from the rushing water where he cannot build that little quiet dam, he's near a well. So he takes that leather bucket of his and dips dips it deep into the water. And then along, along next to the well, there are little bowls. And so he fills those bowls carefully one at a time. Now remember, the sheep takes a long time to water them. So it may take two or three hours for him to water the sheep. But he keeps them filled to the brink because they don't like to get their mouths down into the water. So they are filled to overflowing. So the shepherd feeds and revitalizes and waters the sheep. What a beautiful picture of revitalization. I am so glad that our great shepherd, one, knows that we have enemies. See, just outside the doors of this building, there are enemies of the grace of God and the church of Jesus Christ. I guess we know that, do we not? And he doesn't tell us, and therefore stay inside and I will isolate you from all the enemies. No, 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 no. He says, no, no, I want you in the world and I will insulate you so that you are effective for Jesus Christ. And let me take care of the enemies, our shepherd says. You stay near to me and I'll take care of the enemies. I like that. Because Jesus said, I do not take you out of the world, but I preserve you in the world. Oh, I love this. Sometimes we just need to be learn the uh, 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 contentment of what God has given to us. I love the theology of Snoopy. (laughs) You are what, Snoopy? You know who I mean when I say Snoopy? It's just too too sacred a group that you don't know who Snoopy who? You know Snoopy? You know Snoopy. Thanksgiving Day, all the kids are inside having a great feast of food. Snoopy's on the outside. He's got that Snoopy look. And he crawls up on top of his little house, and he lays there. And he says, it could be worse. I could be a turkey. That's a good philosophy. That's a good theology. It could be worse. Say it with me. It could be worse. Say it again. It could be worse. Good theology. So now when you go out into your car after service today and you put your key in your Whatsmobile and you look across and somebody's got a brand new Whizmobile and you say, oh, say what? It, what? it could be worse. You put your key in the door after you have lunch today and you think of all the houses that you pass by with all the beautiful furniture that you could still wish you could have. And you put your key in and you're going to say, what? It could be worse. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you look across at your spouse, and you say? No, no, don't. Don't say that. You See, with God, I, I love the words of Haddon Robinson. He said he said, "With me, or rather with him, the calf is always the fatted calf." With him, the robe is always the best robe. With Him, the joy is the joy that is unspeakable. With Him, it's the peace that passes all understanding. Isn't it great that He feeds us so richly? And He gives us His mind and His Word and His program and His plans and His love in this beautiful love letter, His Word. You see, He revitalizes us. Well... Before the clock strikes doom, let me share it, seventh and final. The verse says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sheep need sheep dogs. Now, my sister is here, Marcia, and she has two dogs. One's named Conway, and the other name's Charlie, and they love to spend time together. They play very well together. So where Marcia goes, Charlie and Conway go, except they didn't come to Texas this week, and she's just crying at the fact that she doesn't have her dogs. So the sheep have two beautiful dogs. One's called Goodness, and the other's called Mercy. Isn't that great? <laughs> oh, what's the names of your dog? One's Goodness, one's Mercy. They're always with me. You and I, as sheep of Jesus Christ, have two beautiful dogs that are always with us. One's called Goodness. You know what that is? That's Grace. And the other's called Mercy. I love them both because the grace that is with me It's the message of the cross. You see, because it's, it, it's the grace of God that has given to me forgiveness of sins. It's the grace of God that gives me the opportunity of eternity. It's the grace of God that every day when I get up, I can say, I know there's a better day because God's taking me to a better home to spend it with Him throughout all eternity. That's grace. And he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, and he's given me great promises that I can rely on from now throughout all eternity. That's grace. And then there's, there's mercy. And I mess up. And I'm so glad that when I mess up, he doesn't take the club and break my leg. Or cut off my food. Or give me some other kind of a penalty. You see, because mercy is his withholding from me what I really deserve. Grace is giving to me something that I don't deserve, but He gives, and then He gives, and then He gives again. See, that's the grace. So the roommates, I love them. It's grace and it's mercy. I saw a t-shirt a few years ago. I just loved it. On the t-shirt, there was an aisle like this, a road, and on either side, there were wolves with saliva coming down their cheeks. And a little lamb was on this end, and he had to go down that road. So all on each side there were these enemies, these wolves, just waiting for their lunch. And here's this little sheep up on his hind legs, of all things, his hand up in the hand of Jesus. And with the other little paw, he says, I'm with him. (laughs) Think about that. I don't know what you're going to face this week. I don't know what you're going to face the week after and the week after that. There are enemies out there. I'm so glad that I can say, oh, by the way, I'm with him. I'm with him. There's an old hymn that I love as a prayer. If you put that up, let me see that, please. Look at this as a prayer. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. I love that. For our use, thy folds prepare. Will you pray with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, We acknowledge the the reality that we're in the presence of our Heavenly Father. And Father, you know our hearts better than we know our hearts. We're so grateful today that we can call upon your name and that you hear and you answer our prayers. We're so grateful. Now, while we're in the attitude of prayer, maybe there are some here this morning with eyes closed and heads bowed and hearts before the Lord. You're a born again child of God, and you're so pleased today to be called a sheep in the sheepfold of Jesus. But maybe you've been going astray. Maybe your stubbornness has shown through. Maybe today you simply want to pray, Oh Lord Jesus, as my shepherd, keep me faithful to you. Draw me close to you. Take just a moment in your heart and reconnect with your Saviour with your shepherd. Maybe you're here this morning and this is all strange words to you because you don't know the shepherd. Jesus Christ to you is just a historical character, but I want to tell you this morning that He loves you. He died on the cross to save you from sins, to forgive you and to give you eternal life. And Maybe you don't know Him, but you can know Him this morning by simply also in the silence of your own heart and your prayer, simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe what the Bible says, that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for sins. And I believe the Bible says, I believe the Bible when it says that I'm one of those sinners. And I believe that when I just put my faith, my trust in you today, right now, that you'll save me and cause me to be a child of God. Father, I want to do that right now, right now. Father, we delight today to know that you are our shepherd. We're so grateful today that you've given us your word and the assurance that one day you'll take us home to be with with you in glory. For every decision that has been made in this room this morning, seal it, Father, with your spirit, and cause us to be different men and women and young people, because we've met with you in this hour. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that prayer, say amen.